how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. This episode is brought to you by IronJohnGear.com. In between your creative pursuits, make sure to check out Iron John Gear for top apparel, footwear, fitness items, outdoor supplies, sports gear, and much more. Visit the website for top deals on things like lanterns, backpacks, tents, snow clothing, bomber hats, sunglasses, fishing gear, and more. Visit ironjohngear.com today and save money on your next adventure. In addition to Iron John Gear, make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. From nowhere follows three undocumented Brock's teenagers who are on the cusp of graduating high school while also trying to earn their papers that will keep them in the United States. Based on the play by co-writer Kate Ballin, the film is directed and written by Matthew Newton. The Australian actor-writer-director discusses going home with your characters, the importance of leaning forward moments, and the constant process of revelation in childhood. I was born in Melbourne. Uh, in Australia. I started as an actor. Um, I did, I went to a place called the National Institute of Dramatic Art in Sydney, which is our biggest acting school. Um, I studied there for three years. It's a classically, it's a classical, uh, what do they call it, conservatory course. So um, it's a lot of theatre and a lot of theatre history and um, we do a lot of productions, and we do film and television acting as well, but it's certainly the emphasis is mainly on theatre. Then I worked as an actor in Australia and always wanted to write and direct, but I started watching old movies uh, when I was very young with my old man. So I think the actor was the most direct person, the person that I could, I could see, so I just I thought, well, I want to be a part of that, so I guess I'll do that. Mm. But I uh, always wanted to, you know, write and direct. How did you get involved with the script and story for From Nowhere? Um, I, uh, I, I first came in contact with the story. Um, I was in New York and was connected with Kate through a mutual friend, and. I, I was I did, I'd done a little theatre production here in New York. Uh, a friend of hers saw it. Um, it introduced us. She had a script that she'd written about three undocumented kids 
uh, like a play that she'd written about three undocumented kids in the Bronx based mm-hmm. on some experiences she'd had as a teacher. And I direct, and that was a, became a play that was in the New York Fringe Festival, and I directed that play. It was a very bare bones of what became from nowhere. So I directed that for the New York Fringe Festival. It got invited to do an encore presentation, and in the period between the initial the New York Fringe Festival and the encore presentation, Kate and I worked a lot on the play, and it was watching that second iteration of the play that I realised that this should be a film and we should go home with the characters and, and learn a lot more about them and introduce a whole bunch of other characters um, that, aren't, that weren't in the play. And so we then wrote the screenplay and raised a little bit of money and went into the Bronx and shot the movie. Mm-hmm. Was the point of view the same or was it more from the teacher's point of view in the play? No, the play was a little bit more of a kind of a, like, it was a a little bit more of a polemic. It was just, it was uh, a very theatrical, a lot of, there was a lot of speaking, the kids spoke to the audience a lot. Um, It was very different from what the film is. Um, It was was very much the bare bones. The idea of the three kids being from the Bronx and being an African boy, a Dominican girl and a Peruvian girl, um, that was the central kernel that we then took into the film and wrote initially wrote the screenplay of, and then through shooting, I work with a lot of improvisation, and I do a rewrite once I've cast the actors, and I'm very influenced by the actors that I'm working with. So it it slowly deepened and you know became richer and more complex and more ambiguous and. Uh, it's you know became its own thing. Mm-hmm. Was there any outside research involved for writing the film? Yeah, we, I through doing the, the working on the play, I met a lot of undocumented and formerly undocumented young people, uh, a lot of whom are from the Bronx. And actually, I was taken through the Bronx when I was writing the screenplay, taken through the Bronx by a couple of them, and one of them in particular, who told me a lot of stories about uh, his life. And while it's a fictional piece, there are elements from a lot of different stories we were told, but it's not based on one person's experience exclusively. It's just we talked a lot about a lot of the experiences and about a lot of the nuances. I think the overall experience is quite well documented, I suppose, or uh, a lot of it is um, a lot of the, you know, the, the political issue is quite well documented. And, and while it's not straightforward, um, there's certainly a, a process to it. What I was really interested in was how it felt mm-hmm. uh, and what that made, how that, how that made the character, how that made the people react and how I could place that, in the lives of my characters and complicate their lives. The thing that became most interesting to me about the scr- when I was writing the screenplay was the idea that these characters were right on the cusp of becoming adults and finding their own voices. And right at the time when they were finding their own voices, they were told to have no voice and to mm-hmm. keep quiet 
right? not speak, not be seen, don't exist. And I thought that was that tension was the most interesting thing to me um, to explore. Mm-hmm. It seems like the system, you know, is rewarding a past these kids don't really know about, rather than their you know current lives and, and successes. Are things improving at all for these kids in limbo in real life and, and within the story? It's shifting all the time. Five, five or six months ago, the answer would have been different. Um, things improve, and you know, on the left hand, things improve, and on the right hand, they will get worse. So it it really is a, a shifting, uh, a shifting situation with. Um, many, many, many ups and downs, and it, and it depends on the individuals and on their individual situations and their their own narratives in their life. So I can't, and you know, I would never want to speak. To be honest, I would never speak for any of them or, or make a judgment on whether it's better or worse, because I think until you're actually living in that. Oh, by the way, I totally respect the question. I'm not questioning why you asked, but no I, yeah, yeah, but but. But but I um, but but I would never, you know, it's difficult to speak for them because I would never know how difficult or how easy things are until you're, you know, walking in those shoes. And um, it's the, it's the things that we often might not think about. One of the most interesting moments that happened for me was I was walking along with, I'll call him Armadou, just because that's not his real name, but you know. He's he's, right. he's, docu- he's got papers now, but he's, some of his family still haven't. Um, he, I asked him about the stopping and frisking scene. We were talking about that scene in the movie. And have you seen the film? Yes, yes, yeah. So the, the stop, their stopping and frisking scene. I was asking him about that, and he was very matter of fact about it. And he, as it, as you know, he sort of went, "Yeah, well, it's just a part of just part of the game. It's part of the deal." I think he said, no, he said it was part of the game. So it was part of the deal. Just part of the deal. And I was really struck by that. And then, of course, as I was going home, I thought, oh, he, absolutely, he's going to be like that because he's only other choices to walk around terrified all the time. Right. Um, so I think whether or not things are better or worse, I mean, things become livable, I guess, just through our, our sense of survival. But I don't know what it actually is like for anybody in the quiet of their own bedroom when they're falling asleep at night. Mm-hmm. Um, Dennis O'Hare's character, he plays the lawyer in the film. Um, it seems like he's their best shot, but he seems preoccupied with other things. Does he kind of represent, you know, the majority of this system for kids in this situation? No, I. Funnily enough, one of the things that uh, I wanted to ha- initially, he was going to be a pro bono lawyer working in the Bronx in a tiny office dealing with these kinds of cases. And I really wanted to make him someone who had never done this before and was doing this as a favor so that it was something that he had to learn about as the film progressed so that divisively we could learn about it at the same time. Mm-hmm. And also because I re- – and that's, that was actually secondary. Primarily, I really wanted the change to occur with Sophie when he decides to lean forward. I, I, I'm always very moved by moments in films. In fact, I get moved even thinking about it. I get very moved by moments when people lean into something to help someone or to 
be heroic uh, to I I love that quote where you know being brave is not is not not being scared it's being scared shitless and doing it anyway mm-hmm. I, those moments when people lean into things I find incredibly moving and I knew I wanted that moment with Dennis mm-hmm. so the idea that he was a corporate immigration lawyer and he dealt with companies and forms and very simple hearings and he'd never really represented kids in this situation and had to learn about it. I thought that was a great fish out of water experience for mm-hmm. him and we would get to watch him eventually swim. Mm-hmm. The film was very relevant to today's politics. When did you start writing the film and everything? At the end of 2014, we shot the film um, in 2015, and we premiered the film last year at the South by Southwest Film Festival in 2016. So around about 2015, funny, we became obsessed with this issue and these the people that faced this issue because it was a piece of work that we're involved in, and I'm a very obsessive person, particularly with my work, so whatever I'm working on becomes my a, a part of my life. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, with it being so acutely present in our lives and such a powerful force in the world, it doesn't feel... I mean, what's happening feels absolutely... Urgent and um, I guess acute is the word, but uh, you know, urgent and frightening and worrying. But the idea of all of the things that surround this issue, I've been thinking about them for a couple of years. I don't think the day's gone by in the last two years when I haven't thought about this issue and the people that face it because I got to know them, they became friends, um, and I was working on this piece. Mm-hmm. Every, so, feel very, so while the while the situation feels very different, the issue doesn't feel the importance of the issue doesn't feel different to me at all because I've been thinking thinking about it and living with it for a couple of years. Um, so everyone, every kid in this real scenario is always gonna, they're going to be an individual case. They're all going to be different. What were some of the general like unanswered questions that you wanted to bring awareness to with this film? I I thought one of the things that fascinated me about the stories I've been told was the idea that your individual scenario back in your country of origin really affected your ability to get asylum. I I thought that might be something that a lot of people wouldn't be aware of. Dennis's character very matter-of-factly says genocide, general mutilation, dictators. And as a filmmaker, I'm definitely aware of the irony involved in that and, you know, perhaps throw a, a, a very small light on that moment and, and on the irony included in it. But I think that there is something very matter-of-fact about that issue, that if your country of origin is dangerous and it's dangerous for you to go home, you know, you can get asylum. So the idea that the tragedy of your story can affect whether or not you can stay in the country, I thought was something a lot of people might not know. And how the, the complexities around exactly how you can get um, 
papers and and what countries are you know what countries are easier or harder. I think it is very confusing, and some of the people that I spoke to are still very confused about the situation, the situation they find themselves in, because um, some of the parents have brought their kids here. Their kids didn't. Their kids were brought here sometimes when they were infants. Mm-hmm. So one of the most interesting things for me were these kids, like the kids in my movie, who have been, yeah, like the kids in the. Let me say that again. One of the interesting things for me was the fact that there are kids like the kids in the film who have been brought here at such a young age that America is the only place they've ever known as home. Some of them don't even speak the language of their country of origin. They only speak English. Mm. So the idea of them being sent back to a country that they were in for six months, a year, two years, or three years of their beginning life is such a scary prospect for them because this is their home. This is their language. They don't know anyone back there. Um, And the idea that that's more their home than America, for me, was something very contradictory and very powerful. Yeah, in a way, when you're watching the film, it happens to the main character, Musa. It seems like it could happen to anybody. You're 17 one day and you realize everything's different than you thought it was. Yes, the world. Yes, I think I think we all go through a version of that in our lives to lesser and greater degrees. You know, it's like when the curtain gets pulled up. When you know, it's like in The Wizard of Oz. Ignore the little man behind the curtain. When you see everything for how it is, and it's funny because every time it happens, you think, "Oh, that's the real world," and then in several years, it happens again, and you go, "Oh." That was just another layer. This is actually the real world. And then as you go on, another layer. And you go, oh, well, this is actually... Every time it happens, you think, oh, well, now I'm actually seeing how things are. And there's this constant process of revelation that happens from when we were children going into adulthood. It's overwhelming that these 17-year-olds are dealing with problems so much more adult than anything a lot of people, a lot of adults are dealing with. And they're dealing with courage and... Even positivity at times, which is incredibly moving. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter where you also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online, which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook, How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.